welcome to episode 11 of Overshow and Wearing. I'm really lucky today because I've got my friend on called Minnie, who I used to work with. How are you doing? Yeah, good, thank you. So thank you for inviting me on your uh, podcast. Oh, you're welcome. It's so nice to see you. You too. How have you been? It's been a while. Yeah, <laughs> a long time, especially with this crazy time where we're all just in our houses on zoom going oh i can't hear you anymore oh it's frozen hang on a minute <laughs> absolutely yeah. let's hope that doesn't happen today should we yeah we can always edit it if we... <laughs> so we're going to chat about your journey with mental health today and what i thought i'd start by asking you is when were you first aware of being anxious or would you say more anxious or depressed or both um i'd say it was probably a combination of both and um it was sort of around about 2005 yeah um i'd been living in a house full of people uh and basically decided to move out with my girlfriend at the time um we put all the bills in her name in the new house because all the all the bills were in my name at the old house. So we just cleared, cleared them up and then moved there. And, um, it was a few weeks into living there that, um, I was, I was being fed stuff from her, um, her giving me opinions on how my friends felt about me. Um, and then one night I went on a night out with some of my friends and actually got attacked on the way home. Um, and I was hospitalized for, uh, just under a week. Um, and when I came out, I was on sort of crutches and, um, sort of painkillers and all that sort of stuff. And that then turned into, I mean, not fully sure it was gaslighting as such, but it got worse because it was only me and her in the house. Yeah. Um, was she supportive when you got attacked? Not at all. Wow. Um, so when I phoned her that evening, she was actually, I got back to our new place and she wasn't there. And I called her and said, like, I'd been attacked. And, um, yeah, she wasn't there, which was odd because she hadn't said she was going out or anything like that. Yeah. Um, and yes, yeah, she she wasn't supportive at all. Um, I was getting her coming home saying I was I just started DJing at the pub at the time, and she was saying that they they want to get rid of you because they think you're being pathetic. Um, and I ended up going to the doctors, and because I was having difficulty sleeping because of the attack, and I got prescribed. Um, sleeping pills to go along with the painkillers and a hundred and one other things. And yeah, she just drove me into a place that wasn't good at all. Um, Sounds like gaslighting. And me, hundred percent. And a couple of weeks later, um, yeah, I done I done something that I look back on that I'm not very proud of and ended up in hospital again and yeah that was 
that was pretty much the end of that relationship in rather extreme circumstances. So are you, you're saying you tried to end your life? Yep. Oh. So it was, it was almost made too easy. Again, she'd been saying various bits and pieces. I wasn't feeling myself at all. And I had lots of prescription drugs in the house. So it just became too easy to almost do something. I look back on now and I just thank God that I wasn't successful. Yeah. Yeah. But I think a lot of people associate gaslighting and sort of mental abuse from a partner with, um, sort of men being the abusers. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. But in this case, it was it was very much her. And when I got back to work and realised that everyone had basically had my back the whole way through, it was it was kind of nice at the time. So the pub lot uh, looked after me and sort of made me feel better about myself. One of my friends actually let me move in with them for a little while and looked after me. And yeah, it was it was amazing to feel that way after what I'd felt like a few weeks before. It sounds like she had kind of like tapped into a part of you that maybe had felt low self-esteem and she knew exactly what to say to get to you. Absolutely. And I'd, I'd always kind of struggled with self-esteem anyway because not a lot of people will probably know this because of what I do for a living in the evenings these days well when we're not in COVID times um, but I was actually born with a hearing problem and I, I couldn't that. I couldn't speak properly for sort of it's quite a few years I went to speech therapy and like learned how to pronounce certain words and while my friends would be out playing and being kids and doing kids things I was I was going to speech therapy and trying to learn how to pronounce the simplest of words. Oh, that's amazing though. It shows your, your strength of spirit though, because that's a big thing to overcome. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's one of those where I, I feel like I've achieved that. So now I try not to take like now on past what happened in 2005, I always try and look at things as, with um, sort of a glass half full kind of view and try and even if something bad happens, like mm -hmm. something something good is just around the corner as long as you keep the strong mindset. And yeah, it's, it's not always easy, especially during the last six months or so. Yeah, but, I think, yeah, it's definitely affected a lot of people that may have had past issues yeah. You know, because in a way we've had to sit with ourselves a lot more. There's not the distractions of every day, you know, like being able to go out and hang out with people like you normally would. It's sort of like everything's uh, our world has completely shrunk. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I'm quite lucky these days, though, that I've got, uh, I mean, I'm still in touch with the guys who I used to work with at the pub. I've got some really good mates from the day job and from, um, sort of social circles yeah 
That's so important. it's been a lot of, like you said, Zoom calls and Zoom quizzes and all sorts during lockdown, but it helps to know people are there. Oh, yeah, definitely, definitely. And we're going back to your ex-girlfriend, did she ever apologise? Have you ever kind of spoken to her about any of it? I think I think it was best just to leave that and not not talk to her again. Yeah. I mean, I'm lucky now that obviously I've got Holly, I've got a beautiful daughter, and I've got someone that does support me in everything I do. And to me, like, I don't want to look back or tap up that um, tap up that negative energy anymore. So if she, of course, yeah, I think even if she offered me an apology now, I'd be like, Look, it was fifteen years ago, and I've become this person probably because of that. Almost, yeah, yeah. I think what's difficult, and I don't know if you feel like this, but when I've reached quite low points and struggled with, especially after I had my fourth son, like feeling very, very anxious and paranoid and freaked out, that that kind of still haunts me a little bit. You know, that kind of residual kind of, you've got a muscle memory for all these things. And, but I think you're right. It's really important to look forward because actually, you know, things do, they do get better. But I think time slightly fades it. It, it's, it can put it away. But do you find that that time still haunts you or do you have found a way to move on? I mean, I mean Holly always says these days that um, I'm always busy. And uh, anyone that knows me knows that. I love to keep busy like I love projects to work on and like that's that's probably why I'm so keen on going out and doing my DJing and I've tried to fill that void with sort of editing stuff during lockdown and it's one of those where as long as I keep myself busy I don't think about it yeah um yeah. I mean there was a spell a few years ago that you'll probably remember because you were one of the first people to talk to me about it. But um, basically Holly had started a job in a pub in the evenings. And so for the good of our family, she was going out to work in the evenings. I'd put little ones to bed. And then like, I realized that again, I was spending too much time with myself as such. Yeah. With no project to work on. And yeah, I hit, hit a bit of a low point again where where I put a status out and luckily at the time obviously you guys at work and I mean there's one thing I regret about that Facebook status was that I didn't speak to Holly about it before yeah she she didn't know how I was feeling and I regret that because it wasn't her it wasn't Chloe wasn't anything to do with anything in particular i just spent too much time in my own head with nothing to do yeah um it was a bit of a cry for help wasn't it and actually much less better to do that than to go back to a dark time where you want to be seen to be fine and you're not absolutely i mean like i said my only regret is that i wish i'd have 
cried for help to Holly first or yeah. done it done it more privately because it I think it almost felt like Holly was part of the problem to her, but yeah. she wasn't at all. Yeah. She was she was in the end part of part of the solution to it and yeah it was it was a tough time but I had a lot of people around me at the time to help me get through it it was interesting because when you were talking you said that you keep busy to fill a void you use the word void and I think often in our lives there is voids and an emptiness from certain things that have happened in our lives so I definitely felt that void as well. Um, and it's interesting to me that you're, you're, you've come so far and it's amazing and you've done so bloody brilliantly because that it shows so much resilience, especially to be able to say, you know, this, is, this was then, that takes a lot of strength because I sort of haul my issues and memories around with me like, bloody father christmas with a big sack like i find it very hard to know how to let go of stuff sometimes but actually one of the most freeing things i've ever done is this podcast because you're daring to kind of go right i'm just gonna put it out there so that's really it's really really important i think so what other tools would you say that you've used to overcome dealing with anxiety and depression so I'd say, um, and I I always used to think it was sort of a bit fluffy, but I used the Calm app for sort of meditation um, and just giving myself 10 minutes at the start or the end of the day just to take my mind or control my breathing and just think about what I'm going to do with the day or just switch off my mind for 10 minutes. Yeah feel like it definitely helps and another thing was a piece of advice i got from one of our old workmates who said if you're going to write something on facebook because i used to live my whole life on facebook Mm. with sort of one sentence statuses that didn't really mean anything apart from angriness and he said if you're going to write something on facebook type it into your notepad instead. If you wake up the next morning and then you still feel the same, post it. But you'll be okay. amazed in the amount of times you just delete that note and yeah. don't move on. Yeah. And I look back, I have time hop on my phone and I look back sometimes and I think part of, part of the reason that I didn't value myself in my late 20s was because I was putting it out there to the world. Yeah. Yeah. And I like to be on social media. Um, Some people, obviously, I know Ian mentioned that he's come off social media and it's helped him. Yeah. I quite like being on social media because in, for all the bad it does, there, there is a sense of community. Oh, definitely. To a certain extent, as long as you've got, it's the same as friends in real life. If you've got the right people surrounding you, it's fine. If you've got, if you've got negative people around you, it's likely to have a negative impact on you. Definitely. 
I mean, you, you've, we've been friends for a long time. I write all sorts of shit on Facebook. <laughs> I haven't got the uh, nickname oversharing wearing for nothing, but normally it's more humor. Um, well, that's what yeah. I mean. Yours, yours is funny stuff. And gen genuinely, I, I read some of your posts and I laugh <laughs> and like mine was complete opposite. Like, I was I was being angry about something that I should be I should go and approach the person about, not air it on Facebook. Yeah, it's a funny platform though, and I do get it. And I th I do you know what I thank God that I didn't have it growing up because yeah. I would have written all sorts of shit and it would have yeah. been pretty bad. I mean, even even now, my children don't really go on it. Um, they're not interested in it. It's probably more. For older people now i'd say really but it's yeah. i think that you've hit on something there and i think that community and friendships like ian who i've spoken to in another episode he talks a lot about friendships and i think that's really important for men and obviously women but i i think that that, that you need that connection and and time just to kind of hang out and chill out yeah and i mean that's that's part of the reason match of the dads came about so i wasn't there at the very start of it but i joined and it's basically a football community for dads because so many so much of the time again there's groups that focus on mums and that's that's right both parents should have support like i'm not I'm not bashing mums and i'm not promoting dads and saying no, I either, agree, per, either either person has it harder, but yeah. there's not there's not really anything aimed at dads out there. And then yeah, um, Paul Paul and the team set up Match of the Dads, but it's an incredible project, and it creates that like we were talking about for, before community. And yeah, I've made friends there who will probably now be lifelong friends. Yeah, and because they're dads as well some of my other friends who aren't dads, I can ping these guys a message and be like, oh, little one, little one's done this today, frustrating, that sort of thing. And they understand because they're dads and probably sort of nine out of 10 of them have probably had exactly the same situation as with their, with their kids. Yeah, and especially your daughter's only five. So she she's still at that age where they need a lot of... Um attention and yeah. you know my, my brother has a son who's going to be four next year next february and he's just like how oh my god <laughs> yeah. it's such bloody hard work it will be it does get quite incessant and i you know we'll often chat now about it whereas before he didn't really we didn't maybe have such a common grounds but when he became a dad there was that, you know, because I have four, which is a lot. I know. <laughs> He's like, I don't know how you did it. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know. I don't know how you've done it. Yeah. They're very anchoring children. Um, they, they've definitely, you know, give you a huge amount of drive to be the best version of yourself. But they also make you crazy. <laughs> that's why we love them. So that's why we love them. <laughs> so what would you, if you could give one piece of advice to someone who has who's going through a difficult time who's struggling who can't see a way out what would you 
say to them? I'd say, and this piece of advice is used everywhere, but I'd say just talk. Even if you can't talk to friends or a direct support group, there's, there's plenty of helplines out there and they honestly are worth their weight in gold. Yeah. Um, Calm is one for certainly more aimed at men. Yeah. um, Which is the campaign against living miserably. One of my friends was really struggling not so long ago and I just pinged him a message and made it my thing of pinging him a message every single morning and just checking that it was all right. And it was stuff like, sometimes I get a message back saying, well, I'm up. And I was like, well, that's part of the battle one because some days you do feel like, or certainly I did back in the day, I didn't feel like getting out of bed. If I had my time over now, I'd certainly have spoke to Holly, but I'd have messaged my close friends instead and just said, look, I'm, I'm struggling. Hindsight's a wonderful thing though. And we've all, you know, we've all, said and done stuff that maybe doesn't sit well with us anymore but I think there is definitely room for forgiveness with that because no one's judging you know in a way it's 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 good that you did it I think I don't think you should be hard on yourself thank you so much for being so honest and open Neil it uh, it means so much to me and I know that so many people get a lot out of this thank you for doing this podcast safe I mean there's a lot there's a lot of stigma around mental health and i think what you're doing is a really brave and secondly really empowering for people that might be going through the struggles that you or your guests have been through oh, so thank you yeah well done thank you my love that means a lot Wow, thank you so much, Neil. It was so good to talk to you and to hear your story and to hear how far you've come. It's totally inspiring to me and I'm sure it will be to lots of other people. So take care, guys, and speak to you again soon. Lots of love. Bye.